0: Our scripture reading tonight comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 17 through 24. Hear now the word of the Lord. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. I don't know how often y'all look through the Christian living section of the bookstore, or if you even go to physical bookstores at all anymore. But I generally, as good practice, try to keep up with the best selling, most influential, most talked about books on the scene. I've noticed that there are a few different kinds of books that tend to gain momentum these days. There are the Bible studies, obviously. There are books about finding healing and damaged marriages and relationships. There are books meant to edify you against the temptations of the world. But the most common kind of book that I've seen, without question, is the affirming, relentlessly positive, you've got this kind devoted to recognizing the inherent value that you have as a child of God. And you know, the message is a good one at its core, because it's a powerful truth in a world where anxiety and depression are so common. You are loved by God. He has not abandoned you. And He does want the best for you. All of these things are true, and they're worth remembering and celebrating. It's a message that's common in books, in blog posts, and in sermons, and it captures a wonderful aspect of our faith. Yet the celebration and joy is far from the only aspect of our faith. Today, on Ash Wednesday, the church remembers that there's another side to the story, one that's somewhat more serious and somber. We can't talk about God delivering us from sin. And death without acknowledging that sin and death are powerful and real in our lives and in our world. We recognize today the deep brokenness that runs throughout our entire history, through every society and every person that's ever been. We recognize that there's a chasm between us and the God who made us and who loves us, and that because of that, we can know with full confidence. That things are not as they were meant to be. They're not as they were designed to be. Scripture makes this much clearer. When God designed the world, He meant for it to know harmony and ease, happiness and fullness and wholeness. And He meant to walk beside mankind as His creations grew. Yet at the first temptation, the first opportunity we had to act outside of God's plan, we chose to trust ourselves rather than Him. And that's a choice that we are doomed to repeat from one generation to the next. Sin is present in our world and in our lives, and it has a tight grip as it drags each of us back towards the dust from which we were made. But Ash Wednesday is not just an impersonal recognition of a vague concept of sin. Yes, we see and acknowledge that the world is broken, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we don't get off that easy. In truth, the power of Ash Wednesday comes from acknowledging that we have sinned, that you and I have violated God's will and have failed to live up to his hopes. And what's more, we just passed Transfiguration Sunday when we celebrated that we know the full glory of Jesus Christ. We know the grace and the love that God has shown to us, and we know the mercy of Christ, yet still we stand and live as people held by sin. We know that Christ bore the weight of our sins on the cross, yet from one moment to the next, we just add more and more to his burden. That is the message of Ash Wednesday. God has shown us endless grace and countless mercies, yet still we come up short. Still, we break our commitments. But hear now the good news. No matter how far we've fallen, how deeply entrenched in sin our lives have become, there is no power strong enough that Jesus can't overcome it. All is not lost, and there is hope for us yet. On Ash Wednesday, we wear ashes for the same reason that the Israelites did in biblical times, to begin a period of mourning and lamentation. It marks our entry into a time set apart for solemnity, for grappling with the brokenness of our world and ourselves. On Ash Wednesday, as we remember the depths of our own need for grace, we hear, From dust you were made, and to dust you shall return. We take the first steps into the Lenten season, which is a time of repentance and fasting. It's not the end, but it's the beginning. This is a time for repentance, but let us repent with the full hope of forgiveness and trust in the power and promises of Jesus Christ. Amen.